This is PhotoBizX, episode number 471, and today we are talking backups and how to backup your photography and data the right way. It sounds like a super dry topic and one that I was actually scared about recording, but I think you, like me, will be happily blown away by how helpful this interview will be. Our special guest is Andrew Darlow, and that interview is coming up in just a minute. Are you planning to have a successful wedding and portrait photography business? Join Andrew as he interviews successful photographers and business experts to fast-track your success. Welcome to the PhotoBiz Exposed podcast with your host, Andrew Helmich. Hey, it's Andrew Helmich here from Impact Images and welcome to this episode of the podcast. Back to the usual intro and outro music for today's episode, but I am still here in Girona. It's Monday morning here. I'm taking a day off the bike. The rest of the guys, well, most of the guys and girls are heading out for another ride. I had a massive day yesterday, 180 kilometers. My longest ride to date, there was over 3,000 meters of climbing And uh, it was an absolutely insane day because I have a couple of crazy friends who wanted to ride three different peaks in one day. Yeah, absolutely crazy. But I am having the time of my life. It's absolutely fantastic here. The weather is incredible. Like I said in past episodes while I've been here, the drivers are so courteous and caring about cyclists on the road. The road surfaces and the countryside is just amazing. So having a great time. This is my last week here in Girona in Spain, and then we'll all be heading off to France at the end of the week, which should be great fun. If you didn't catch last week's episode, it was with Katie Collenberg. We talked about the book projects. It was actually a Q&A session that I recorded with her for course members, course participants. So if you are thinking about a book project, maybe you've started one, maybe you didn't have the success that you wanted with your project, if any of those are the case, make sure you get back and have a listen to that interview with Katie because she answers a bunch of questions from different course participants in that interview. And don't forget, if you do want to learn more about the book projects course it's one of the best ways to market your business to bring in leads katie is testament to that you can learn more about it over at photobizx.com forward slash book projects you're listening to photo biz exposed with your host andrew helmich Today's topic is backing up and backups the right way for photographers. Our special guest is Andrew Darlow. We make a lot of references to a particular diagram. Now, that diagram is in the show notes for today's episode. So whether or not you're listening to the free or the premium version of the episode, you can find the PDF, the image that we're referring to throughout this interview in the show notes. Uh, If you want to access them easily, just head to photobizx.com forward slash 471. Now, Andrew also has a download available for you if you are listening to the podcast with a whole lot more information on backing up and other things. And you can find those at backup.fm forward slash Andrew. Again, I've got links to that in the show notes if you can't access it right now. But you will find it super helpful to reference the diagram that Andrew has provided and the same diagram that I'm referring to or we're referring to backwards and forwards inside or during this interview. And like I also said in the intro, I was I was really worried about recording this. I, I know that technical type audio interviews can be 
pretty dry, uh, difficult to understand. And if you're anything like me, you probably think, well, I've got my backup sorted. I know what I'm doing. Everything's working fine. Well, I can tell you I, I was surprised by a couple of the things that Andrew shared. And uh, I was also really happy to know that some of the things I'm doing already are perfectly acceptable. They're, they're the right way to be doing my backups. I think there are going to be a ton of takeaways for you in this one. So let's get into that in just a second. You're listening to the number one photography business podcast with Andrew Helmich, photobizx.com. Just one last thing. If you are hearing this announcement, it does mean you are listening to the free version of the podcast. Now, what that means is you won't hear the full interview today with Andrew. I am saving a large portion of the second half of premium members only. So if you would like to check out the full interview today with Andrew, you can do that for as little as $1 with a 30-day trial membership. For more information on that, head over to photobizx.com forward slash try. Welcome to another great eye for business. It's time for Andrew's special guest. Today's guest is a photographer, writer, product developer, and inventor. And we recently struck up a conversation on LinkedIn about backup and workflow, which is where he focuses a lot of his attention when helping other photographers. He's based in New Jersey in the US. He helps people who love photography choose the right equipment and set up automated backup workflows. Now, in addition to working directly with other photographers, he consults with larger companies on color management. He was also the editorial director of a glossy photo magazine called Digital Imaging Techniques, where he wrote articles on digital and fine art photography, inkjet printing, and Photoshop techniques. And if that's not enough, he's also the author of four award-winning books, including his newest book, Focus and Filter, Professional Techniques for Mastering Digital Photography and Capturing the Perfect Shot. I'm talking about Andrew Darlow, and I'm wrapped to have him with us now. Andrew, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Andrew. It's such a pleasure after listening to so many of your shows and learning so much from your guests. It's really an honor to be here. Oh, man, it's my pleasure. It's my pleasure. And I guess, firstly, I'd love to know, you know, I said you do so much in that intro, so where is most of your time spent these days? Well, mostly I'm doing consulting. So I help people set up their backup strategy. I help them with their cameras. I help them with their techniques. And I help them make prints either with their own printers or if they want to send out, I help them make really nice prints that match their monitors. So that's really been a big focus of mine for many years, I even wrote a book uh, all about it called 301 Inkjet Tips and Techniques because I've always loved the ink on paper and photo on paper since I've been very young. So I feel like learning and then being able to teach this whole process of making prints and taking better photographs has been my calling. And it just happened to be that the whole backup strategy and everything came after that. But uh, that's kind of in a nutshell where my main focus is, apart from also developing products for different companies. Nice. And, you know, when I say that you're a photographer, where was your photography interest like base? You know, were you a wedding photographer, a portrait photographer, landscape? What did you do? Well, my initial interest was probably in high school when I started with the school newspaper and the yearbook. And then in college, I 
also worked on the yearbook. So my real interest in photography came from just going around doing pictures of my classmates and things like that. But then as I moved forward, I had an opportunity to go to Japan right after high school. So I lived with a family there. And what I saw just completely blew me away. My homestay mother would make a different dish every day and I would photograph it every day. And my homestay father would take me to these amazing Buddhist and Shinto shrines. And I just realized the power of photography when I came home. So that love of photography then led to me doing a little bit of photography in college, but then I had an opportunity to work for a family business and it happened to be related to printing. And that then led to the company building a photo studio, which I helped along with learning from some amazing photographers. So my real start professionally was still life using a leaf digital camera back. It was like a 30 to $40,000 system on a Sinar four by five view camera. And it was almost all uh, still life things like body shop cosmetics and Kenneth Cole uh, shoes and all kinds of things, chocolate and, and all kinds of fun things like that. So I sort of jumped in doing still life and that led me to having an opportunity to experience a digital inkjet system called Iris and the company purchased it in order to do color proofs for advertising. And so once I saw that, I started playing with it and I started really getting into the creative side of making prints. And then I submitted a proposal to the International Center of Photography in New York City. And I started teaching a class called the Digital Print. And that experience of helping others move there at that time, film and prints through the whole system, including uh, drum scanning and then the retouching and then the printing just made me fall in love with digital printing. And I also, at the same time, was able to learn from a gentleman who was a doctor and we would do cyanotypes and platinum printing in his basement. So I was very fortunate to have that, I would say, late 19th century, early 20th century technology, and then sort of the latest and greatest in digital photography. I was exposed to all of that. So that then led to me writing a book about inkjet printing. And after I left the company, I was looking for some other interesting things to do in photography. So I was teaching, but then I visited the Westminster Kennel Club dog show in Madison Square Garden in Manhattan. So if you've ever seen video from there, there's a benching area and you can go around, you can see these dogs and some of them look like they just came out of some film noir, amazing movie. And I started taking pictures of them and I started getting friendly with some of the people who were the breeders. So that led to me doing photography of dogs. And I photographed probably, I don't know, a thousand dogs and cats over the next five or 10 years around that time. And then I wrote a book on pet photography and I have a little <laughs> hardcover book about dogs called Biscuit for Your Thoughts. So I really fell in love with dog portraiture and also people and pet portraiture. So for a while I was doing that, but all along the way I was teaching and consulting and helping people with their workflow. And especially with COVID and number of things related 
to that, I move more toward doing a lot of consulting, especially over Zoom, because everything can be recorded. I was able to help people and I was able to do just about everything that I was able to do before with my consulting. So that's really pretty much where I am now, except for the product development, which is a whole nother thing. Fantastic. Look, I want to explore more about you know the color side of things, but I don't want to leave the topic of backups too long to get into because I'm not sure how involved we're going to get with that. And just on that topic, how did you get into backup strategies? You know, did you experience a big loss? Were you working with a client that experienced a big loss? How did this become uh, one of your specialties? I think one of the things, and these just can sear in your memory. Um, and most people have some type of data loss experience. But in my case, I had a drive. Luckily, it was a clone drive, so it didn't have the original data. And I mistakenly had the wire running from a table to the wall in my home and sort of like a trip wire, which is absolutely not what you want to do. So my young son uh, walked past it and knocked out the wire from the wall and I lost the data because what happens, and I'll talk about this later, is if you have a sudden loss of power, especially to a hard drive, uh, it can be fatal to the hard drive. So I didn't even bother going through any kind of recovery because I had the data, but that just showed me how easy it is to lose data. Absolutely. Okay. <laughs> I, mean, I think, like you said, we've all got our scary stories. That, that sounds like a terrible one. I had one equally as bad. I, I had a staff member come back from a session late in the evening, like midnight, and they went straight to the studio and they were meant to just drop off the cards. They thought they were going to be extra helpful and upload the files before they left. And this is incredible to say this, but they deleted not only one hard drive, but two hard drives. So they oh my God. Unbelievable. I don't know. Like when I tried to recreate the steps that they went through, there were so many warnings. I don't know if she just had a brain fade, if something like it just, it was ridiculous. And uh, it was an absolute nightmare. And so from then, and I thought I already had a pretty good backup strategy, but from then we've certainly tightened things up. So let's get into it. So I guess first up for the listener, you're going to be referencing a PDF, which I'm going to have a screenshot of in the show notes. So the listener can see exactly what you're referring to. And we're going to go into more detail than what you share here, but this is the main PDF. Is that the best place to start, Andrew? Yes. And I'll have a lot more links to other things as well that I'll create inside of a PDF for everyone. So you'll see multiple links, including the PDF which I'll be referring to, which is a pretty simple diagram. And everyone by now will have heard the link to get it. So I recommend that you download it. It'll help a lot as I go through it. Perfect. Okay, so we're all working from, let's say, one, one main computer, whether that's a laptop or desktop. So we're all working from that one machine. Is that the best place to start? Yes. In fact, that's exactly what I'm going to assume, that we have one main computer. And I should give like a short disclaimer just because... I want everyone's data to be safe. So everything I talked about is just based on my personal experience It's for informational purposes. And I just ask you to really use caution and I would do a local backup or even two of whatever files are important to you before you make any changes to your workflow or take any of my advice. It's just a simple little suggestion. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> We're also risk averse, aren't we? <laughs> but it's true. All right. So let's start with that. And we're working from one main computer. And I'm guessing like for the listener and for me and for you, you know, we come back, we upload our or download our files 
onto that main computer first. Is that where we're going to assume? Yes, but let's start with the battery backup because this is such an important thing. It's in the bottom right of the PDF. And the reason why I am so gung-ho about this is because, first of all, it's very inexpensive to set this up. And what I'm talking about with battery backup, it's a UPS or uninterruptible power supply. So most of these are about the size of a car battery or a small tower PC, and they do something magical. Uh, in case of a power outage, or if you have like a certain variation in power, plus or minus, whatever the standard is, the battery either switches to battery power instead of just sending the power from your wall, and that's called a standby UPS, or it just continues to rely on the battery power that the device the UPS was already giving it. And that's just called the line interactive UPS or just slightly different. These are incredible devices. Have you ever used one, Andrew? Uh, in my very old days as an electrician, yes, but on a very big scale for big computer rooms, you know, for bigger companies. But I've, I've never had one in my home. Oh, okay. So you may want to start a shopping list as we talk. <laughs> <laughs> so just with this, I mean, if I don't have a battery backup or a UPS and there's a power outage, and at the very minimum, I'm running a time machine for my Mac. I'm only going to lose what I was just working on. Is that correct? Oh, here's the problem. If you have a time machine drive and it's plugged into the wall and the power goes out, you could have the same situation I had with my son hitting the wire. It could just go away and be unrecoverable. That's why I think it's so important, especially if you have uh, mission-critical devices like uh, an iMac, if you have a PC tower, anything that plugs directly in the wall and that needs constant power. And the boxes that most people have that contain their hard drives, a lot of people have those and they have to be plugged in and need constant power. So all these things should really be protected with a UPS. Okay, Andrew, what if my time machine drive is an SSD drive that's just connected by USB? Am I safe there? Okay, so if the device that the SSD is plugged into has a battery, like a laptop, then you don't really have to worry so much. And that was one of the things I wanted to mention as well, because if you have a laptop that has an internal battery, and if you use only external bus-powered drives that plug directly into your laptop, then you don't need a battery backup. But as soon as you have something important that plugs into a wall, then it's really important to have the battery backup. And the one thing that a lot of people forget about are these hubs, because most of them are powered. And you may not think about it, but if you have an important hard drive plugged into that hub, which is then going into your laptop, then uh, power outage will knock the power out to that device. Got okay, so you're talking about a USB hub now. Yes, or Thunderbolt. Those are the two main hubs. And they supply a lot of ports for like an external monitor or like an, another drive or two or three. Okay, yep. so I'm running one of those. And like you say, it's connected to the wall power. So if I get a power outage, the hub loses power, which means my drives lose power. Exactly. And now some people think that they're safe and they have a whole home backup system, like the one that kicks in when power goes out and it runs on natural gas, or even sometimes like these Tesla batteries. But most of those need at least a few seconds to come online. And in that time, your devices are already down. So that's the beauty of a UPS device. Just make sure if you get one, make sure that 
the delay is such that it will almost definitely not cut out any of your mission critical important devices. Okay. So is that the only thing we're really looking for when we buy a UPS if we don't have one, that it cuts in super quick? Exactly. And there's different things you can look at. Uh, Like I had mentioned, the different types. Some, they switch over to battery. Some are constantly running on the battery. So you'll just... I actually have a, a podcast. I talk more about that just on the same page, which you'll probably go to to download some things, which is backup.fm. Okay, perfect. All right. I'll link to that in the show notes as well. Okay, so let's assume that the listener and I both have a UPS now. Uh, and just quickly, I haven't Googled these. Am I expecting to pay thousands or hundreds for one of these? No, they start at about... And obviously everything, not obviously, but I'm going to speak in US dollars. And so they start at about 60, 60 US dollars and they go up to generally about a thousand, but most people will be able to get just what they need for under $200. Okay. That is more affordable than I thought. Okay. I'm going to look into that for sure. All right. So let's assume we have our UPS in place. What's the next step for backing up? Okay. So on our blueprint, we have our main computer. I give it the letter A right in the middle, uh, which could be a desktop or a laptop. And so let's assume that we're primarily going to use that main computer just for our applications, maybe a Lightroom catalog uh, and some personal and business related files, but not for our high res photos or videos, which is the case of what most people do. Now, those all go on an external drive. So if you look to the left on the PDF, I call it the main external B. That's the most common setup that most people use. It's what I primarily use. I have one main external drive. And you may have a PC tower or a Mac Pro that has space inside for drives. But for our illustration, let's just assume those drives are the external drive. And I should also note that that main external drive B could also be a RAID array or a NAS network attached storage. And those can be described as boxes with multiple SSD or spinning hard drives. And the main advantage of a RAID array is that if it's properly set up, usually with five to eight drives, one or more of your drives could fail. And after replacing the drives, the system could rebuild itself and hopefully avert disaster. And in some cases, you can even have a hot spare in there. So as soon as it fails the spare will take over automatically. Awesome. Okay, Andrew, let's go back to NAS and RAID arrays Mm -hmm. afterwards. Let's just assume we're working with a single hard drive that's external to the main computer just for now, and then let's make it more complicated. Sure. So just quickly, with those main external hard drives, most people today, I'm assuming, are still buying spinning hard drives, not SSD drives. Is there an advantage from having one over the other? Well, the price differential, especially after you go over one terabyte, is dramatic. So that's the main reason why people are still purchasing spinning hard drives. And they're quite good, especially if they're USB 3 or Thunderbolt. They are fast enough for any still photography use. Now, video is a whole other world. A lot of people will keep their live video projects on their internal laptop computer or on an external SSD. But then when they're done, they'll often transfer that over sort of like cold storage, which is just a way to not go into severe debt because SSDs 
will certainly become 10 to 20 times more expensive very fast. Okay, so if I'm running, let's say I'm doing a large video project, and I know most of us are shooting stills, but let's say we're shooting a large video project, we would have that main project on our main computer A, so we can work on it at a good speed, but we would also still have a backup on the main external drive B? Yes, definitely. Yes, you can have a backup there, but in normal practice... Your A is your system and all your files, and your B is separate data with all your high-res photos and videos. But there's still no problem with just parking an extra copy of everything that you happen to be working on so that you can work fast on the video. There's no problem just having that extra copy on the B. Got it. Okay. I totally got you. Okay. And just quickly then, before we go deeper, do you have a preference for particular brands of external hard drives? Because one of the threads recently inside the members Facebook page was, you know, someone was using a Lacey drive and it failed and other photographers chimed in and said, oh yeah, I've had the same problem. And I think the biggest recommendation was Seagate from memory. Do you have a preference for brands? Yes. Well, if it's a 3.5 inch sort of the big box spinning hard drive, it's Seagate and it's Exos, E-X-O-S. Just because it's been tried and true for me personally, up to 16 terabytes. I think I've used 12 and 16. Now they're up to 18. And you can get 18 terabytes for, in the US, about $350 to $375, which is incredibly inexpensive. So that's my suggestion. Now, when you start going into portables, and you talk about SSD, then I've found that SanDisk is just, it's been flawless for me. Like the, the ones that just plug right in and it looks like almost like a, a Bic lighter. I'm sure people have seen them. It's black and red. So that's just a couple quick suggestions. Love it. Perfect. All right. So we've got our main computer A with our applications and some personal files and things like that. We've got all our working files on main external drive B, but that's the only place those files are at this stage. So we don't actually have a backup yet, do we? No, but that's coming <laughs> right underneath. <laughs> okay. What's next? Is, you'll see something uh, right underneath it. And that's the, it's a mirror. Essentially it's the clone drive, not the clone drive, but it's the same. It's a sync drive. If you look at the way in which I've described it for B. So it's right underneath the main external drive B and it's called sync drive B. And this drive has one purpose. It mirrors whatever's on your main external drive B. So how you set it up is up to you, but ideally whatever's on it within a short amount of time, it will also be on the sync drive. That's its main purpose. And there's a lot of things it gives you. First, it's very fast, so you don't have to rely on some kind of upload speed or worry about your internet. As soon as it copies, it's done. And you can set up software. And there's a few different ones, like ChronoSync. Another one is Carbon Copy Cloner. There's a lot of them. And it just constantly looks at it. And whenever something changes on the main external drive, it copies to the second one, or you can set it up on a different schedule. Okay, got it. So I'm actually using this exact system, which I'm happy to say. <laughs> Great. I'm using a little application called Super Duper, but I have it scheduled to run every afternoon at 5.30 p.m. Is that a good idea or should I be running this more regularly? I think that the time to run it is right after you download 
your cards, for example, from a big photo shoot, just because then you know it's on both. But keeping it on a daily schedule once a day is not a bad thing. I generally have it run these things uh, like in the middle of the night, just in case I'm working on something else at the time. And even though that doesn't use a lot of system resources, some of the things that I'll talk about later will use system resources. I tend to put copying routines sort of in the middle of the night. So just keep all those things in mind. Got it. Okay. You call it sync drive B and that's exactly the way I have super duper set up for my drives where if I delete something off the main drive B, it also deletes it off the sync drive for B. Is that good practice? Yes, I would say. However, you can enable in some of the software applications, the ability to still keep that data that was there before. So you add something to main external drive B, and even if you delete something from main external drive B, it still stays on sync drive for B. I'm not saying that's the best procedure. I personally want it to be exact, but you have the option. That's the thing to know. Okay, great. So I have it exact as well, and that's worked well for me so far. Mm-hmm. All right, so what's the next step? Okay, so to the right of the main computer is the time machine drive. Now, this is for Mac users, but Windows also has some similar native and third-party software. This is one of the best insurance policies you can put into effect if you use a Mac. And unless you have under about one or two terabytes of data over the next few years, which is probably like nobody in the audience, I would use a spinning three and a half inch external hard drive as your main time machine drive just because it's so affordable and it doesn't have to be super fast. And as I mentioned before, the Exos line from Seagate has been fantastic, but don't just get a big enough drive just to cover this year. You might as well, since the cost is not that high, at least look about two years ahead and also realize that as you delete things, Time Machine is smart in that it will also allow you to it keeps as much as it can, even items that you had deleted. So it's good to know that you should always go for more. And as the cost of the three and a half inch spinning drives comes down, there's no reason for most people to invest in a 10, 12 or 16 terabyte drive. Okay. So just on that, Andrew, so let's say I have a, a one terabyte hard drive in my main computer A. How big a time machine drive should I be getting? The thing about Time Machine is you really want it for both the internal drive and your main external, because why not? That's the beauty of Time Machine. It can back up both the internal drive and it can do your main external drive. In this case, our main external drive B. Uh, I didn't know that. Okay, so I can set up multiple drives to be backed up onto Time Machine. You have to decide one main decision. (laughs) So you can have multiple Time Machine drives, but you can't do like a one terabyte version and a seven terabyte version. You'll have to take your one terabyte SSD and use it for something else and just get one or two larger spinning drives for your time machine. And then you can just move them back and forth. That's one of the beautiful things about time machine is that not only can it handle everything that you plug in to your drive, to your computer, it can also go off-site and another one can come in 
and serve as a second backup. Okay, I th- you've lost me slightly here. So I understand the last thing that you just said, but let's say I have my main laptop, main computer A, and I have a separate external drive, which is running Time Machine. So that automatically backs up my main computer A all the time. How do I also get that same Time Machine drive, drive C, to back up main external drive B? Are you just going to Time Machine Preferences, and then there's a, a little button on the bottom right called Options, and you make sure that it's not excluding. <laughs> it's, it's like backwards language, but you make sure that it's not excluding the, in this case, external drive B. Got it. Okay. So really then my time machine drive C should be as large as I can afford. So I've got longer, uh, more, um, uh, more backups over time. Absolutely. Got it. Okay. That is really cool. Also, I didn't know I could back up a second drive to time machine C as well. All right. And then Time Machine, once that's set up, it just runs, doesn't it? I don't have to do any, once it's, it's set and forget. Yes, that is true. It just runs. However, if you don't want it to be running constantly, you can look into a piece of software called Time Machine Editor, and that would allow you to set a time, let's say at 2 or 3 a.m. Uh, to have it run. And the only negative is that if you did something important in that time and it wasn't picked up by another online backup system which i'll talk about then that data will be gone in that time period before backing up all right got it so is the reason you wouldn't want it to be running all the time is because it's intensive on the pcu it can be and it's not always it depends on a lot of things so it can be okay all right what is the next step okay so one important thing i want to mention is that people should try to avoid three and a half inch drives that use a technology called SMR, which is shingled magnetic recording. And I won't go into all the reasons, but you can look up why I'm saying this. Instead, you want to look for drives like the XOS drives that I recommended that use PMR or CMR. It's basically the same. It's the same technology that's been used for many years. And especially if you have a RAID or NAS, uh, you really do not want a SMR drive from everything I've learned about. Great. I don't even know what that is. I'm not going to go into that now. I'll go and check that out later, but I don't think any of my drives are SMR drives. Okay. And you should also know that any of those smaller bus-powered spinning drives, a lot of them are three, four, five terabyte, and they're fantastic for what they do. Almost all of them use SMR. So just keep that in mind. So you may want to make more frequent backups if you feel like you have to be using those very popular, inexpensive drives. Okay. Andrew, you've said this term a couple of times, bus drives. Mm -hmm. When you say bus drive, are you referring to USB? Yes. Or in some cases, it could be USB-C, but the bus is meaning you plug it in either directly into your laptop's port, the USB port, or you can plug it into a dock and it gets the power from that instead of getting it from a wall. Okay, so my USB dock plugs into the wall. Is that a bad thing? It's not so much the dock. It's the drive. So the spinning hard drives that are so popular out there, you can get like three or four terabytes for maybe $100. You just need to know that they use this technology that has issues, not so much with reading, but when you want to write to them. So they just have issues. So if you have them and you're relying on them, 
I just recommend that you consider getting extra and maybe doing extra backups. I, I just want to throw that in because nobody really told anyone about this technology early on. You can find out about it now, but it's just something that everyone should know about. And that's why I bring it up. Okay. I think I'm using these exact drives you're talking about. They just plug straight into the USB. They've got no external power. Mm -hmm. So you're suggesting it's better to get the slightly larger drives that plug into external power if we're going to be relying on it for critical data. Yes, absolutely. Got it. Cool. All right. Where to next? Well, with regard to Time Machine, I should just mention, whether it's Time Machine or similar software, I should mention why I like it so much. And I talked about some of them, but you can have it exclude anything. So I talked about how to go in there and tell it not to exclude. But obviously that means that you can also exclude anything at all that you want. So I just wanted to make that clear. And if you have a system crash or if you're out and about and your laptop has a major issue or if your laptop is stolen, your time machine drive can really save the day because as long as you've allowed it to back up both your internal drive and your data, which is external drive B, you have everything you need in that one box, especially to get back up with all your passwords, maybe your creative cloud, everything that is important is on there. And you can just get right back up with a new computer if you have that time machine drive. I love it. I love it. You just made me think about traveling and going away to do a shoot. I'm going to ask you about that later on because it won't apply to everyone, but that makes great sense. Okay. All right. I'm in your hands here, Andrew. Where do we go next? Okay. Yeah. Well, right above the A is this nice cloud. So any backup system would be incomplete without talking about online backups. Premium members of Photobiz Exposed hear more of the best photography business strategies from every guest. Andrew, you have been amazing, phenomenal. I mean, I'm so glad I got off printing and color right in the beginning when we started talking back us because this time has absolutely flown. You've been incredible. I wanted to ask you about your inventing, but is there anything else that we need to know about backing up? I'll include all the links in the show notes, but is there anything that you still wanted to cover or share? I think the main thing that I did not cover, uh, let's see here. So Andrew's checking his notes here. I love this. Like he's come so prepared to make sure that we've covered everything. He's flicking through his notes. <laughs> I thought you would probably end up cutting this part out of it. No <laughs> way. <laughs> now, as far as important things, I think I got just about everything in there. I do have a lot of other tips with regard to cameras and SD cards and things like that, but I don't want to go too much into that. The only thing I will say is this is more of a safety tip. It's not so much a backup tip, but I feel very strongly about it. And I highly recommend you use sandbags or some type of weights on the legs of any light stands and to a lesser extent tripods, because if you plan to take your hands off of a light stand or your camera, one gust of wind can knock over, especially a light stand. And I've seen some potentially really dangerous situations and I've seen light stands topple over. And if there are pets around or little kids around, it could be really bad. So maybe I just helped save a life. Who knows? <laughs> I love that. So again, I'm going to have links to where people can find all the things we've talked about. So to learn more from you, Andrew, is the podcast the best? And it sounds like you offer consulting. So if someone has a catastrophe, can they contact you for help on how to sort that out? 
Well, what I do mostly these days is I have like a mentorship program. So you can just click on the link at backup.fm and we can have a chat and see if I'm right for you. I generally don't like to just go in and work on something with someone one time because it's kind of like a marriage once I get into someone's computer and start setting things up. So I've set it up that way. But if you have a question, a quick question, I'm happy to see if I can give you a, a quick answer. Fantastic. Okay, so you can actually consult with the listener to help them set up the system we've just talked about if they're lost at all. Yes, absolutely. And But I generally do like a six or 12 month program so that I can keep helping someone on an ongoing basis, make sure that things are being set up properly, make sure they choose the right equipment. If they have problems, I'm there for them and we meet on a consistent basis. Love it. I love it. All right, cool. And just quickly, just before I let you go, the inventing side of things, what have you invented? Oh, well, this is one of my passions. So about 12 years ago, I helped, okay, I had a exhibition of my work and it was some of my flower photographs. It happened to be in a really high-end flower shop in New York City and everything looked great and everything went up on the walls fine. There was no damage, but this is not a gallery. So when the show was over, they just took the framed pieces, which had glass and there were wood frames off the wall. And what they didn't realize is that if you put a framed print that has glass and you put the back of it to, let's say, the front of another one, there's hardware there and it's usually metal and there's usually a lot of scratching that can occur, which happened to almost all of my pieces. So I quickly realized that I should maybe think about a way to avoid this in the future. So I talked to someone who was on a news group, like a Facebook group uh, back then. His name is Mark Rogers. He was president of a company called Frame Destination. And I said, Mark, can you make me a custom bubble bag or a few for my artwork? And he said, well, I can try. And so he used whatever he had. He had this bubble material. He had a sealer that he used for uh, protecting things like custom mats and things like that. And he sent it to me and it worked. So I was so excited. And I said, well, can we find a better material? Can we make this look really nice? And can we offer it to people? So he, he said, yeah, let's work together on it. So we came up with a really nice heavy duty uh, bubble bag and he bought a very nice machine to seam the edges. So the seams on the side are really clean. And when you put a piece of art in it, like a canvas or something, it just looks like a very high-end presentation, but at the same time, it protects it well. So that was something that has sold now to thousands of people. And when I read the reviews, it just makes me feel so good that it's helped so many people to protect their work. And I'm sorry, it's only in the United States, but if you look at the product, it's not that hard to maybe at least consider making something for yourself that's similar. And uh, so that's one of my things. And I have new things that I'm bringing to Mark that are similar. And also I have other things that I'm bringing to other companies. So it's really exciting to be able to come up with an idea make a presentation, and then hopefully license it. And 
it's not that different from, let's say, uploading your work to a stock photography site. And then when people buy it, you get a commission. And one place that I would say, if you are interested in this, just online on YouTube is InventRight TV, like Invent R-I-G-H-T TV. They have hundreds of videos and they've helped me a lot. So that's a place to start. If you have a great idea, the next big photography gadget, for example, and you just want to learn about maybe how you can put that in front of people to consider and then maybe uh, earn money and help people at the same time. I love it. I love it. I've just Googled while you were chatting there and found your gallery pouch. That's what you call it? Yes, gallery pouch. I love it. Yeah, over at framedestination.com. Uh, look, again, this whole conversation has been amazing, Andrew. You've been so generous. Um, yeah, it's been a real pleasure talking to you. I love what you've shared. I can't wait for the listener to hear this, to see the PDF and uh, access the other links that you've talked about. I'll include all those in the show notes for this episode. And again, massive, massive thanks for coming on and sharing everything you have. You are a wealth of information. I look forward to potentially chatting in the future about color and some of the other things that that you're working on that that you know about, because I know the listeners would love to hear from you again. Again, massive thanks, Andrew. Thank you, Andrew. You are incredible. Your guests have been incredible. I can't tell you how much value I've gotten over the years. And the number of people who I hear on your show who have learned from other people before them on your show, just it's like, you know, there's like a um, bamboo that grows and then it just, it waits, it waits, and then it grows like really fast. And I feel like you've created this amazing community that each helps the other get better. It's great. I love that. Thanks, Andrew. Thanks again. I hope you enjoyed that interview with Andrew as much as I did. Andrew, if you are listening, again, thank you so much for coming on, for sharing everything you have, for putting together the resources that you did. Uh, I really did find this a fun interview to record. So again, mate, thank you so much. For you, the listener, I do hope there were a ton of takeaways from what Andrew had to share. Don't forget, I've got links to anything and everything that he mentioned, including the diagram that we were referencing in or during the interview over at photobizx.com forward slash 471 and don't forget to check out those downloads that andrew has put together for us for you they are at backup.fm forward slash andrew and honestly i would love to hear your thoughts on today's episode was it too technical could you follow along did you use the handout in the show notes to follow along did you learn anything from what andrew had to share or did you just get reassured that you're doing everything the right way already i'd love to hear your thoughts let me know via email it's andrew at photobizx.com or if you are a premium member let's talk about it inside the members facebook group andrew is obviously a part of the group so you can also hit him up there if you have any follow-up questions or if you just want to say thanks for coming on and sharing what he did that is just about going to wrap up this episode of the podcast my plans for today are to get this out to you then it's pretty much a recovery day. I'll be heading down the massive hill into town to do a little bit of shopping with a couple of of the other guys that are taking a day off today. I've uh, offered to make pancakes for lunch for the boys that stayed behind today. That's one thing I do know how to cook. (laughs) So that should be fun. And then it's going to be a day of pretty much relaxing. A little bit of reading my book, answering some emails. I'm going to jump on a phone call with Linda, have a chat to her and see how everything is at home and wait for everyone to ride back in after heading out to Lake Bagnols for their 90-kilometre spin today. 
and then it'll be getting ready for more riding over the next couple of days preparing to ride the big mountains in France at the end of the week. Alrighty, I hope wherever you are, things are well. I hope you are safe and healthy, staying fit, enjoying life and loving your photography business. Alright, have a great week. I'll talk to you soon. Bye for now. If you have enjoyed this episode, head to photobizx.com. Join the conversation, leave a comment and share your thoughts on the interview with Andrew and today's special guest. 